welcome to The Happy Writer, a show about creating and sustaining a long-term author career. My name is Patty Jansen, writer of science fiction and fantasy. I've published independently since 2011. This show covers motivation, diversification, learning new skills and your place in your career. Come on in and be happy. In this episode of The Happy Writer, I'm going to talk about the packaging of your book, because this is a very important aspect of its success. While the content, how satisfying your story is, ultimately determines a book's success, the packaging can make or break the initial response to your book. But how do you know how to package your book? It may take a bit of muddling and experimenting to get this right. First, a definition. By packaging, I mean the things that a reader can see without actually buying the book. In general, people talk about packaging as a three-part structure. The cover, the blurb and the look inside or sample. But I want to add a few things that can also be important. The first is the book's title. And then there are the reviews and your bio on the retailer sites and any other information you can enter when you upload the book. The keywords the categories. People call this metadata. Some of it the reader can see, the other things they can't. But this collection of items can be a factor in how easy your book will be to market. For example, a book that fits the look and feel of a popular category well, by virtue of the title, cover, design and blurb, will be easier to market than books that don't fit as well, or books where the packaging contains mixed messages pulling into different directions, especially in relation to what I call higher-order decisions that a reader makes about what they like to read. Light versus dark, romance or no romance. These are elements whose presence or absence in the book will guide a reader's decision to buy or shun it. If you have a science fiction book that looks like it has romance as a major component, some people want it but others emphatically do not. If it's wishy-washy and unclear, neither of the two groups will buy it. If it contains a lot of romance, be clear. If it is religious in nature, make it extremely clear. If it's clean, make it clear. If it's dark, make it clear. Be clear, be clear, be clear. Let's go through the elements that make up the book's packaging one by one. The title... Not too many people mention using the title as part of the packaging, but it is super important. The title is a very strong primary metadata field. It's searchable on all retailers. You will use it as SEO entry for the book's page on your website, and it had better reflect the book's genre. If you don't think titles are important, consider these made-up titles. The Rogue Knight. Too Late for Justice. The Littlest Dragon. Crazy for you. Guess the genre. Certainly, it would be epic fantasy, crime thriller, children's and contemporary romance. Play this game for yourself. Make up some titles. Look at the titles in the top 25 of each genre. Now, make sure that your real title matches your genre. Don't try to be clever. Just make it fit the genre. 
If the genre is not completely clear from the title, or you already settled on a title before you realized how important it was, use the series title. I realized that the title of my historical dark fantasy, Innocence Lost, could imply romance, so I made the series name Ghost Speaker Chronicles, which should dispel the romance feel. Next is the cover. The saying goes, don't judge a book by its cover, but readers judge books by their covers all the time and that's not going to change, so get with the program. The most important aspect of the cover is that it needs to reflect the genre. Again, don't try to be clever or arty, or, heaven forbid, illustrate a scene from your story. Go to the retailers, look at what types of cover the best-selling books have, especially those that are self-published, because trade publishers often have other aims, such as winning awards for cover design, being seen as edgy and new, and they sometimes put in motion a large publicity apparatus that will sell the book regardless of the cover. Note which elements and colour schemes best-selling self-published authors in your genre use. Give that info to your cover designer. Don't like those elements or designs? Tough. Bad news. The cover is not for you, it's for readers. If your book is military science fiction, it had better display a spaceship or robot on the cover, with a gun or explosions. The larger, the better. If a book is romance with steamy scenes, use a Manchester cover. We all hate Manchester covers, and they're insanely boring. But right now, they're the bomb if you write anything steamy. Decide what genre your book falls in. Ideally, you should know this before you start writing. And get a cover designer who specializes in that genre. Don't get a romance designer to do a science fiction cover. You know that thing about square pegs and round holes? Yeah, that. Doesn't work. Look for someone who is good at designing covers in that genre. Where do you find these people? Ask for recommendations from fellow writers. I also suggest that you join the book cover design marketplace on Facebook well before you publish, because you can see a daily parade of covers offered for sale and get a much better feel for what's hot and what's not. Covers need to be on genre. Put your ego aside. Put your preferences aside. In fact, lock them both in a cell and throw away the key. Selling books is not about you. What about those one-line recommendations made by reviewers printed on the cover? Trade publishers use them a lot, but they would only have an effect if the comment was made by a well-known identity. If you have something cool to put on the cover, go ahead. It's unlikely to harm, but don't hold up publication to wait for it. Besides, they're designed for print books. You can't read them when the book is displayed in an online store. Next, the blurb. This is the little paragraph that describes the book's content. The book's blurb needs to describe the story. It's not a synopsis, even though sometimes people call it that. Technically, a synopsis is a summary. The blurb is not a summary, because it only deals with the first part of the story. The blurb describes the situation that the character finds themselves in, and lifts a little bit of the story 
to show how they might possibly get themselves out. The blurb usually ends in some kind of cliffhanger statement that leaves a question open that the reader will have to buy the book to answer. This is exactly what the blurb is meant to do, entice the reader so that they become interested and buy the book to find out about the story. The blurb doesn't tell the story. There are books on writing blurbs, but I usually follow a fairly simple formula. In the first sentence, you describe the character in a situation that reflects the beginning of the story. Then, in the next sentence, you tell the readers about something that happens that changes that situation. Then, in the next sentence, describe what the character is going to do to fix the situation and end with a sentence that describes why that is going to be hard. There you have it. Four sentences that describe the story. People need to know what sort of book they're going to get, so don't get hung up on the details. Just make sure that those descriptions fit the genre of the book and are in line with the cover. If your cover has a strong science fiction vibe, the blurb had better reflect that. Because if the blurb indicates a completely different genre, people will hesitate and might not buy. There are several things that can help you write better blurbs. I especially recommend the book Take Off Your Pants by Libby Hawker. This is not specifically about blurb writing, but about story structure, and it ties in the blurb with the structure. You can also post your blurb in writing groups, for example, on Facebook. The people who comment will be other writers and will be hypercritical. First off, I suggest you ignore the ones who rewrite the blurb completely in their words. It's not about the words. It's about whether it's clear. Next is the sample or look inside. The look inside also needs to reflect the book's genre. The first scene of the book is the one that ends up in the look inside. Needs to make sure that it's clear that this is going to be a particular genre. If we go back to the science fiction cover and the science fiction blurb, the look inside is about very mundane things in a contemporary setting. People are confused and they won't buy. Make sure that the cover blurb and look inside are in line with each other and also in line with the title. If your title says fantasy, the cover had better say fantasy and the blurb had better be fantasy and the look inside has to reinforce that. These are the main things that determine the packaging of your book. Apart from these things, make sure that you fill in the author bio and that if you're going to use an author photo, and you don't have to, you use a nice photo and not an overexposed blurry image that makes you look like someone's creepy uncle. Bring your bio in line with your genre. If you write for kids, use a kid-friendly picture. If you write humorous fiction, make sure your bio reflects that. If you write military science fiction and you served in the army, say so. Up until now, I've probably told old hands nothing new. Before I started self-publishing, I spent about eight years trying to get published traditionally, with a few small successes. There is one thing that gets talked about a lot in traditional publishing, and also in the movie industry, that I don't hear self-published writers talk about at all. That is the concept of premise. You can spend a lot of time and money on covers and editing and other services, 
But if on top of that your book has a strong premise, that will add immeasurably to its advertising potential. So what is premise? It's pretty hard to nail down what the word premise means in this context. Some people refer to it as high concept. A word or phrase that captures why the reader should read the book. It's not always related to the plot. Most plots can be described as can the main character save the earth? And the answer is always yes, we know that. You can't use this as premise, although many people try to. But it's not really a premise. We already know that the story will put some stress on the characters and that the characters will prevail. It's a given for genre fiction. It's extremely hard to extract a strong premise from an existing work. A lot of people try to fake a premise with a tagline that goes like The Matrix meets Avatar or something like that. This phrase is designed to attract readers who like both and to conjure images in the reader's mind of an interesting combination of two. It always ends up sounding rather bombastic, and not just that, it's not terribly specific. A good premise is extremely hard to nail, and many books don't have one that is clearly defined in a couple of words. It's very hard to retrofit onto a book you've already written. Many books just don't have a very strong premise, They're about getting into the weeds with enjoyable characters and reading about their adventures. Expressed in a tagline, this sounds exceedingly boring. This is where a second-level premise comes in, and I think one that's very useful for writers of fiction, because most fiction is not easily described by a higher-level premise, but a second-level premise is something that makes a lot of people sit up and take notice For example, let's go back to romance. The higher-order premise of romance is that the couple gets together and ends up happy. But since that is the same for all romances, and it is also what the readers have come to romance for, so in that respect it's on point. But it is what you do with a second-level premise that will get readers interested. The happy couple. But you add something else. A situation. He is rich and she is poor. She is rich and he is poor. An unusual locality. A tragedy. Those are the type of very specific details that attract readers. Try to see your book in this way. Your hero faces the evil wizard, but he is poor and an outcast and no one listens to him. Your hero faces the evil wizard, but he is a prince and the dragon is sent by a rival kingdom. Your hero goes to face the evil dragon, but your hero has some kind of physical disability or something else that makes the hero not the ideal person to deal with his dragon. The spaceship goes to battle, but they have a traitor on board that they're unaware of. The spaceship goes to battle, but they find out that the enemy was not who they thought they were. The spaceship goes to battle, but they become isolated from the fleet. Try to summarize your story in a sentence like that. I'll give you a hint. This is actually much easier to do before you start writing. These days I write the blurb, make the cover, decide on the title and the series title before I start writing. It means that you can write a story from the heart. But if you write towards a purpose, 
then selling that story becomes so much easier. Knowing the genre allows you to look at the books in that genre and incorporating some of the elements that readers like. What if you've already written the book and it's some weird cross-genre thing? First up, you're never as weird as you think you are. The story is sure to follow some well-trodden paths and include some favourite tropes. It's sure to fall, at least somewhat, in one of the main popular genres. Pick one and use that as your focus genre. Doesn't work? Try the other genre. Yes, it does mean changing covers and everything. Just one more comment. When fellow writers talk about the cover, the blurb and look inside, they often imply that each of them must be good, which implies that you must spend a lot of money on them and let a professional do them. No, more money spent does not always equate a better ensemble. You should only spend as much as necessary to deliver a result of adequate quality that fits the genre. Expensive cover designers are an ego trip. Use them when you have a decent income and you can pay for them out of your earnings. Don't spend thousands on a cover for your first book. Cover, blurb and look inside need to be done to a specific standard, which is that people need to be able to understand what you're saying and need not to be turned off by the poor quality of the cover and writing, but most importantly, they all need to point in the same direction. You can have a very expensive cover, hire someone to write a blurb for you, and pay all the editors in the world to edit your book over and over again. But if those three things don't point in the same direction, you're going to find it very hard to advertise your book successfully. Or the book may sell, but subsequent books in the series don't, because the book wasn't what people thought they were getting. This is where reviews can also be important. Reviews are social proof. More important than the content of individual reviews or the star rating is the number of reviews. You generally get about one review for a hundred sales or a thousand free downloads. So a book with a few hundred reviews has seen a lot of sales or downloads. Generally, people will first read the one-star reviews because many are so ridiculous. Also, if a book has serious issues, that's where you'll find out about them. Reviews must be genuine, from paying customers who had no relationship with the authors. None of this, I received this book in return for an honest review, rubbish. Just random people who bought the book because they thought it looked good. The more reviews, the better, because it means people are reading the book. People are like sheep. They don't want to do anything no one else is doing. This can be a journey fraught with mistakes and discovery. Even after years of publishing, everyone still slips up, occasionally. Hint, even the traditional publishers do. You'll occasionally see covers on books that make you think, who thought that was a good idea? However, the advantage we have is that we can easily change covers and blurbs and that we can re-edit that flabby, too mundane first chapter. We are nimble. It's important that you use this agility to your advantage. Swallow your ego 
and change it. Thank you for listening to The Happy Writer Show. Check out links and information about other episodes on my website at pattyjansen.com, where you can also find out about my books. You can support me by subscribing to the show or on Patreon at patreon.com slash pattyjansen. 